Father, we just thank you for this day. This is a day that you've made. We, we will, as the Bible says, we'll rejoice and be glad in it. And we just ask that your perfect will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Psalm 23. I started, this is a two-part series on Psalm 23. I started a couple weeks ago. Last week, we took a break for Father's Day to honor the fathers. And then today we are doing uh, part two of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you have taken the time to memorize this most wonderful psalm? All right. We have a couple hands. Yeah, you know the psalm. Um, I actually challenged my kids a few years ago. I said, I would challenge you guys to memorize Psalm 23. It's a wonderful psalm. It's a go-to psalm. I think you can memorize it. And all of my kids, elementary school, middle school, then memorize Psalm 23. I may have coaxed them a little bit and said, if you memorize it, I will take you down to the store and we'll go find some Legos or some candy or something like that. So a little incentive. I remember when I was six, seven years old, I was at Awana's, and at Awana's, I had some really couple uh, cool male teachers in my class, and they brought this big paper sack full of candy bars. And they said, when I was a kid, they said, if you memorize verses, you can reach your hand in the bag. And it wasn't fun-sized candy bar. It wasn't kitty size. It was full-on snicker bar. So I got pretty good at memorizing scripture. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm trying to think there's a verse about that, like just you do what you can to memorize verses. Everything short of sin and it wasn't sinful. It was awesome. It was amazing. All right. All right. Psalm 23. Who wrote Psalm 23? What, what do we know about? Okay. What else? He's a shepherd. A musician. God's chosen. A warrior. Who, what, what dude did he take down? He took down Goliath, cut his head off, actually rolled, he actually rolled through town. Check out what I did. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Look at this. Check this one out. All right. Warrior, musician, a man after God's own heart. Um, did he have his own uh, personal challenges and struggles and did some things that guy should not be doing? Yeah. All right. But he's a man after God's own heart. God restored him and he did great things for God. Come on. Psalm 23. Let's read through it. I'm in the New King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd, David writes, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. My goodness, maybe you just need your soul restored this morning. Why not now? Absolutely right now. He restores my soul. And I like you have to personalize this. That's why I think it's good to read it yourself. Uh, he restored David's soul. He did do that, but he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yeah. I really don't know how to pronounce the Y-E-A. It it, for me, it just always felt like a really cool lead-in on a rap song. Yeah. Maybe that's what... He's the original gangster right here. <laughs> I, knew it, I knew it. I knew it. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. Did I get off somewhere? I always get off at the anointing. Okay. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Doesn't wrap real well. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. David is a rock star. Love that. 
All right, so we're going to start up. We're going to pick up this morning in verse 4. We've already uh, handled the first few verses. And verse 4 says, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, and, and you might like this, might help give you some context for it. What's the shadow of death? It's a shadowy thing. It might be spiritual death. It could be physical death. But I like where it says in the New Living Translation, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. How many of you have ever been through the darkest valley? I mean, there's some dark valleys. There's darker valleys. There's even, I, I think, a, dark, a darkest valley. And I want to share with you briefly um, a, a, dark, a dark valley I went through. When my son Calder, Jen, how old did we say he was? Four years old? Four years old. He, he grew this big lump on his neck. And I think we probably soaked it with warm water, oil, and massaged it. And this lump, I, I suppose it got bigger and bigger. And I think it just sort of got to a certain size. And we finally had to go to the, is it a pediatrician? We went to the pediatrician and we took him in. And one of the first questions the pediatrician asks is, does cancer run in your family? How many of you know that's not a real exciting question? Especially when you have a a four-year-old little boy sitting in front of you. Well, the answer to that question actually is, yeah, it, it does, as a matter of fact. Um, my mom's had lung cancer a couple times. My dad recently, last year, he went in, he had a little cough. He thought it was desert fever living in Arizona. They found a lump on his lung like the size of an apricot. I didn't share this first service, but he went in, they cut it off, he did chemo, and he, he got a clear bill of health today. So praise the Lord for that. So we, we prayed for Calder. We anointed him with oil. And um, the doctor said, well, we should go in and we should do some blood work. So they, they took some blood work. We got the report back, and it was not a good report. It was not, I don't know about you, and maybe some of you have had some young kids or kids now, or you personally are going through it. I get it. That's a dark season. That's, that's a dark valley. So the doctors decide that they're going to go in, and I'm going to share a couple pictures this morning. So if you are a little squeamish, you don't want to see scars or stitches. I'm just giving you fair warning. They will be on the board. You can look away. So the doctors actually said, so we're just going to go in and we're going to do a little nick. And I thought, oh, they're just going to do a little nick. They're going to do a, do a biopsy. I, and so I was like, they're just going to, I actually nicked my finger yesterday and it just, just, I actually thought it was nick. Let's show the, the nick they did on my son's neck. Guys, that seems like they, they undersold that to me. <laughs> they, they totally undersold that to me. I guess I'm not, I, this probably isn't real encouraging to you, but if the doctor says they're going to do a little nick, I don't know. We're actually in the pre-op room getting ready for the surgery. My Jennifer's grandparents, grand, uh, grandma and grandpa Earl and Leanne, who pastored for years, they showed up and I'm like, what are they doing here? Don't they know they're just going to go in and do a little nick? I think they, I think they knew the, 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 the moment. They sensed the moment a little bit bigger than I did. Well, we, we prayed and, and we did the surgery and, um, we finally got the results back. Praise God. They were, they were negative. I think they classified it as a non-reactive node. Praise God. Now, did God supernaturally heal him? Maybe it was always benign. I don't know. But either way, I am giving God the glory. Is God a healer? We always look at the cross. The cross reveals the will of God. Jesus himself, what did he do up on the cross? He took, 
He took our sins in his own body, and they call it on the tree, 1 Peter 2.24, that we being dead to sin, we should live for righteousness, and by his stripes you were healed. Were healed? When was that? On the cross. Come on now. So we have a healer. But I like what David said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Where does our focus go when we're in the darkest valley? It always goes to the Lord. I think we should put our focus on the Lord even before we're in the darkest valley. That's probably the best time. That's why David even started, the Lord is my shepherd. He knew who his shepherd was. And then he ended up in the darkest valley. You're with me. And then when you get through the darkest valley, he's still with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. What do you turn to when you're in the darkest valley? When I was uh, in high school, I think I was something of a, of a party animal, especially my senior year. I, I think I kind of gave up my senior year. I applied to college. I got accepted, and I was like, sweet. I'm in. I'm in. I just got just to gotta walk down the aisle. Do you walk an aisle for graduation? Yeah, that sounded weird, like I was like doing a marriage ceremony. Okay. Okay. So in my senior year, I'm accepted to college, and I go on this like 17-day drinking binge. And I had my own little trailer on my dad's backside of my dad's property. I I had my own little garden or lawn. I had a bonfire pit. And I I was drinking pretty hard. And at the time, I didn't have a job. So my dad pulled the keys. I didn't have a job. I couldn't pay for insurance. I couldn't pay for gas. And my dad pulled the keys for me. And my dad left town on a skiing trip. But my little brother was home. I guess I was looking after him. I don't even know. I don't know if I was. I just, that's not just occurred to me. I was a senior. He was a, I must have been in charge. No wheels. But my little brother came to me and said, I know where dad hid your keys. Really? You know this good information, and I don't know this information. You're going to tell me where the keys are. So he went. I guess my dad had him in, in the hutch. He had a little hutch in, his, in our living room. My brother Adam went and got the keys but he wouldn't give them to me. So me being the bigger brother, he being the little brother, I out-wrestled him for the keys. And I got the keys, and I got into the car, senior year, 17 years old, 16 or 17, no, 17. And I had a buddy that rode shotgun, my little brother got in the back, and we lit out on Orcas Island on Enchanted Forest Road. And it's a curvy road, There's, it was late at night, it must have been 9, 10, 11, midnight, I don't know, it was dark, it was late. And we were going for it. By the way, I was not serving God at this time. I didn't know the Lord. I wasn't like, you know, going. I just, I didn't know God. I did a wanders a little bit when I was six or seven. I got my candy bars and that was about it. Okay, That's, that, was, that was the most of my spiritual experience. And we're out driving on this road and I must have been going down the road about two or three minutes. I wasn't far from home. And next thing I know, I, and I heard this, the wheels squealing. I'd never heard that sound before. I must have been cruising pretty fast and wasn't, probably wasn't even really aware of it. And I put the car on its hood. And now I had enough sense, I guess, just pure habit. I had buckled up. And I remember being upside down in the car and seeing the yellow stripes of the road upside down. That's not a good season, is it? That's, that would be, that would, I think that's considered a dark valley of my own doing, right? 
And the trees, they end up, or, or the car ends up in a, in a big clump of trees, and I get out, and I'm upside down in my car, and I undo my seatbelt. I climb out the window. I had a car load of buddies behind me, and one of, one of my buddies, Damon, was a big lineman on the football team, and he and I got out. And my main concern was, I think I just checked to make sure my buddies were okay. I sure hope I did. I, I hope I had enough sense. Is everybody okay? I don't know. My thought was, I got to get out of here. So me and my big buddy, Damon, probably mostly Damon because he was a lineman on the football team, we picked, I don't know, you don't pick a car up, but it was on its hood. We lifted it back over on its wheels, and I, and I drove it home. And then I sat at home, and I had to wait for my dad to come home from his ski trip. And matter of fact, I was so discouraged and so distraught, and, you know, it was just a bad place. I actually ran away for about, I just, I just, I just thought, you know, my dad should kick me out, so I'll just save him the hassle. I kicked myself out. Moved in with my buddy Donovan. I don't know what his dad thought about that. What's this dude doing here? Why is he? We, we lived off of Roma tomatoes, tortillas, and cheese for about a week. That's what we did. And I waited for my dad to come home. And I said to myself, after this dark experience, I said, I will never drink again. Within 24 hours, the next night, because it was so heavy and, and I was so distraught and so depressed, I was drinking again. What do you turn to in your darkest valley? I love what David said. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. David gives us the example, we always turn to the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, and maybe you do. You might be turning to alcohol or turning to drugs. You could share this a couple weeks ago. You could turn to inappropriate relationships, maybe images online that you shouldn't be viewing. Maybe you isolate yourself and just say, man, this is so heavy. I'm just going to go hunker down and just go, just go tuck myself away from the world. No, come on out to God. Come back to the body of Christ and turn your attention on God. I love what David said. You are with me. Jesus himself said he will never leave us or forsake us. Continuing on in verse 5, David writes this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that good news? I love the message translation that says, You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Who are our enemies? Are, are people the enemy? No. Well, people aren't the enemy, are they? What does God think about people? Does God love people? Absolutely. We, we, I think we all know. Maybe we don't all know. Maybe you should know. John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You need to know this. Whoever believes in him won't perish, but you'll have, you'll have everlasting life. But God is preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Who is our enemy? It is the devil, isn't it? I love what 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, are we scared of the devil? No. Is he scary? Is he going to beat us up? Is he taking us down? Oh, David said God is preparing a, a table for us, a six-course meal, right in the presence of our enemies. I love it, Ephesians 6, 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our people aren't the challenge, are they? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And Jesus tells us in Luke 10, Behold, 
I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Who has the, who has the authority? Who has the power? Who's running scared? <laughs> not, not us. You remember, I don't know if you remember, if you were here last week, we talked about the six-piece armor of God. We put on the what? The belt of? Yeah? The belt of truth. The breastplate of? Righteousness. We have right standing with God. The shoes of the gospel of? The shield of? Faith. The helmet of? And the sword of the spirit, which is the, which is the word of God. And I like how one person pointed out before. Did you notice there's no armor on the backside? We don't run in defeat. We don't run away. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. How can we have a six-course meal right in the presence of our enemies? Because we have the authority. We have the power. We always have the victory. God always leads us in triumph. Amen? Verse 5, David says this. You anoint my head with oil. I want to read a story in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. In, in the New Living Translation, it's titled, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt be, uh, behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him uh, more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he returned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil. Now David said, you anoint my head with oil. But notice this woman, it says, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. She was anointing him with oil, wasn't she? Yes. Now, here's a, this will be on the board. Here's a thought about the anointing oil. Anointing was done not only as a part of the ceremony in connection with the coronation of kings and at the installation of the high priest, but also as an act of courtesy and hospitality toward a guest. Thus, Jesus accuses Simon of lacking hospitality and neglecting to anoint his head when Simon invited him uh, to eat with him. So she anoints Jesus with oil. 
Now, I remember when I was in college, I was at El in Ellensburg, Washington, Central Washington University, and they had this program called the NSE, the National Student Exchange. And it's where I got to go travel somewhere else. I got to get out of the state of Washington. I'd never really lived out of the state. And Ellensburg was very, very cold in the winter. And so I checked around a few universities. I thought about going to, I think it was Johnson or Johnsonville State in Vermont, maybe going down to Humboldt County, Humboldt State University. I thought oh, it could be cool up in Alaska, University of Alaska Fairbanks, but that kind of defeats the purpose of getting out of the cold, I think. <laughs> I've never been there. I'd still like to go there. I still want to go to Alaska. And then I saw that you could also go to Hawaii. Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> yes. Yes. And so there was UH Manoa uh, on uh, Oahu, or there was U University of Hawaii at Hilo on the big island. I figured surf is up. I am going to Hilo. And I had grown my hair all the way down to my back. And uh, I had this little fuzzy goatee. It was tiny. I think somebody told me once, you can put some milk on that thing and have a cat lick it off your face. I <laughs> and I got accepted. I don't know why they accepted me. I wasn't that, wasn't that good academically. Anyways, I flew over to Hawaii and I landed at the airport in Hilo. And uh, the team there, the, the ladies there, they come out with these most beautiful flower lays. And they just, they, I think they're plumerias. They just smelled so beautiful. And they put them around my neck. And man, I tell you, I, I had rarely ever felt so honored and blessed and so received and so welcomed in my life. They just put that flower. Do you know the Bible says that God actually is like doing that to us? But this woman's anointing his feet with oil. But the Bible, this, David says, you anoint my head with oil. You know, God is receiving you. God is anointing you with oil. God is welcoming you in your notes. God welcomes me. There's actually a verse that will corroborate with that. Psalm 45, 7. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Who are your companions? Do you know that God has anointed you with the oil of gladness even above them? I think that's worth receiving. Jesus, I thank you for anointing me with the oil of gladness. David says this, my cup runs over. Verse 5 in the New Living Translation says, my cup overflows with blessings. God's intention for you is to have an overflowing cup, a cup that overflows with blessings. There was a book, it was written in the 1800s, and the book is called Oriental Customs. There was a Captain Wilson, and he shares this, a similar experience that David talks about when his cup runs over. He said, I once had this ceremony performed on me in the house of a great and rich Indian in the presence of a large company. The gentleman of the house poured upon my hands and arms a delightful odoriferous perfume. He, pulled a, he put a golden cup into my hands, and he poured wine into it until it ran over. I kind of wanted to do a demo up here, but I thought, you know, maybe I wouldn't be too excited with things running over on a nice carpet up here. But just imagine that I did that. Okay, okay. Put a gold, yeah, we could do wine. Poured wine in, into it until it ran over. That would stain really bad. Assuring me at the same time that it was a great pleasure to him to receive me and that I should find a rich supply of needs in his house. Now, we may not have a golden cup per se, but the cup would represent our life. God wants our lives to overflow with goodness and blessing. In Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. In John chapter 10, which I think is a very great companion set of scriptures to this, uh, Jesus reveals himself 
as the good shepherd as well. And as the good shepherd in John 10, 10, he gives us some insight. He says, the thief doesn't come except for these three things. John, why does the thief come? He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But as the good shepherd, Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I find this word life so interesting. It's the Greek word spelled Z-O-E. It's pronounced either Zoe or Zoe. And in your notes, it means life that is real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God and blessed. How many of you know that there are people that are living here on earth, but we wouldn't say that they're living the life that's active and vigorous? We shared this verse last week. I'll run over it quickly again, if I can recall it. John chapter one says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All things were made through him and without him, there was nothing made that was made. And then verse four, in him, that's Jesus, in him was life and that Life is the light of men. That's the Greek word zoe. In Jesus was zoe, and that zoe is the light of men. Where do we get this life? It is only found in Jesus Christ. When you say, Jesus, come into my life, he takes his life, which is zoe, which is the life of God, and he brings the life of God into your life so you can say, I now have zoe, and him was zoe, and that zoe is the light of men. That is the light of my life. It's the light that God brings. Hey, that's why David could say, my cup runs over. That's why we say today, our cup runs over because God brings his life into us. You can't buy it. You can't finagle for it. You can't earn it. You can't do enough things for it. Jesus himself purchased it for you on the cross that we can have the life of God. In your notes, God blesses me. And David continues, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What's God's plan for you today? Goodness and mercy. Because today is a day, isn't it? What was God's plan for you yesterday? Goodness and mercy, because that was a day. What's God's plan for you tomorrow morning when you get out of bed? What's his plan for you as you sleep tonight? Goodness and mercy. What's his plan for you next year? Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I have a little dog named Ruby. And when I come home from work, she follows me all the days of my life. She just follows me around I just, I, until I just stop and acknowledge her. And she, she rolls down her back and I, I pet her tummy. Follows me around, goodness and mercy. I have a text, a text exchange I want to share with you guys. Goodness and mercy. It was a couple months ago, it was April 23rd, which was my wife's birthday, and it was at 1.25 p.m., I checked my text feed, I get this random text, now I'm driving to Shelton to watch a travel ball baseball game that Stephen was coaching, and uh, my wife is driving the car, and, I'm, and it's her birthday, and I'm riding shotgun, I don't know how that worked out, that's just how it worked out. And I'm driving, we're driving, and I, my, my, my phone in my pocket kind of buzzes, And I get this text, and the text says this. I'm going to read you the exchange. It says, hey, Brian. He thinks I'm Brian. Hey, Brian, it's Brian from jail. 
how are things going since you, how have things been since you got out? Okay, how many of you know I'm not Brian? How many of you know I didn't just get out? Okay, and his name's Brian, so we got a couple of Brian's here, but I'm not Brian. So I write back to Brian, I said, well, this, this isn't Brian's phone, but I am a pastor. How can I pray for you? And he writes back, and I really appreciate Brian's um, vulnerability. He goes, I have been struggling with my job search and alcohol. So I wrote this prayer out for you. You can write out a prayer, okay? So I wrote this prayer. I'm going to read this prayer. Hebrews uh, 4.16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you think God wants to help us in time of need? Brian was communicating he had a time of need. How many of you think God would want to help Brian? Absolutely. So I wrote this for Brian after I shared the verse. Heavenly Father, I lift up Brian to you in prayer right now. I'm agreeing with him in prayer that you would open a door for him to find a job. I ask that he'd find a favor with employers and that he would be dedicated, hardworking, and faithful. I think that's fair, right? If God's going to give us a job, we should also be faithful, dedicated, hardworking. Okay. And I also ask that he would find a job that matches his skills and interests. I think if you're praying for a job, I think you said, I need a job. No, how about, I'd like a job that matches my skills and interests. Yeah. Okay, and I wrote, and that it would provide enough to support him and those that are depending on him. I pray that you would remove the desire from him to drink and give him the strength to make wise decisions for his health and future. Lord, I'm thankful that Brian reached out to me today, and I believe you have a great plan for his life. Restore him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What's God's plan for Brian? Is it goodness and mercy? Yeah. Absolutely. He thanks me for his prayer. This is April 23rd. Then about a month ago, on March 20, uh, May 24th, I'm, dr- I'm driving down the street and I have this thought, how's Brian doing? I haven't heard from Brian. Let's, we should check in on Brian and see how he's doing. So I write on May 24th, this is about four weeks ago, how has the job search been going? And Brian gets back to me and I love this. Wow, great timing. I am doing so, so good. I picked up my nine-month sober chip this morning. I have a job and have reconnected with my kids. You know, God is faithful, goodness and mercy. I am super grateful. My life has totally turned around in the past two months. I am so grateful for your prayer and follow-up. And I just shared with him, wow, great, uh, great news. Thank you for sharing such a great report. And I said, now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. We asked just for a job. We didn't ask about the rekindling with his children and all that. And I didn't know about the nine month sober chip, but God has goodness and mercy planned for us. So two days ago, I write back to Brian and I said, Brian, your words were so encouraging. May I share them with my church? He goes, yes, please do so. You are a great part of my story, I tell also. Can we hear it for Brian? I I just, I'm so stoked about Brian. And um, when we're done, I'm going to share a link to our service with Brian so that he can just see what, I mean, I tried to encourage Brian. I think Brian encouraged me more, possibly. So let's give Brian a hand. Brian, we love you. We're praying for you. We believe in you. And God has great things for your life. Thank you for sharing them with us. God is good, isn't he? It's who he is. It's in his nature. Acts 10, 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. God was with him. James 1, 17, every good gift 
good gift, good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. Matthew 7:11. There's good things at 7:11, you know. Pastor Wendell taught me that. There's good things at 7:11. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And our final verse, Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word dwell here, it's in your notes. It's the Hebrew word shub. Shub means to return or return again or turn back. So I looked up, where is this word return back? It's like David was in the house of the Lord and then for a season he wasn't in the house of the Lord, but now he's returned back. The Greek word there is, or the, the Hebrew word is shub, to return to. It's actually the same word as when Noah was on the ark with the animals and floods were over the earth and Noah sent out a, a dove to see if there was dry land, if there's anywhere for the dove to rest. And the dove returned, it shubed, it came on back to the ark. I actually think that's a good work for us that we could turn back to the ark. And so I thought this verse, does it, is there any translations that, re, that seem to indicate that we were in the house of the Lord, but there's a turning back to. And I went through different translations and I found this translation, Psalm 23, six, it's the message version. And I really love it. It says this, your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home. I'm back home in the house of the Lord. When I thought about that, I'm back home. I was thinking of our door greeters. They have these blue shirts that say, welcome home. I, that's actually Psalm 23, six. That's actually what it says to Shub, to return to you. Can I just say, welcome home, welcome back home, welcome to the house of the Lord. I'd like everybody to stand right now. As you stand, I wanna share, there was another thought on that word shub, to, re, to return, it means to make, a, to make a linear motion back to a point previously departed. It means you can get right with God right now. You don't have to go take care of business first, like I will go clean up a little bit and then I'll come back. No, you make a straight motion back to God right now. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd like everybody just to bow your heads right now. Well, God's plans for you are good. They're plans for peace. The plan for, of God for you is goodness and mercy. He wants to prepare a table before you. He wants to anoint your head with fresh oil. His desire for you is that you would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. I wanna give you an opportunity to invite the life of God into you. In Jesus' life, his life can be our life. We can have life more abundantly. Not just living, not just going throughout your day, but a life vigorous, enriched, and blessed. If you would like that life and would like to invite Jesus into your life, I would ask that you would be so bold and raise your hand right now so that I can pray with you where you are and those online as well. Is there anybody here who'd like to invite? Yeah, raise your hands. Can I see those hands? One, be bold. One, two, three, four, five, six. In the back, seven. I see number eight, yeah. Give them a good hand right now. This is the best decision that you'll ever make in your life. Now, I'm gonna lead us in prayer. I'll pray, you just repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. Jesus, be my Lord, my boss, my savior, my friend, and my king. 
help me to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give them a hand clap? We're going to take a few moments to worship, but I would like to invite our prayer team to come forward right now. If you have a prayer request, maybe as I talked about my son Calder who had that uh, physical infirmity, maybe you have a physical ailment. I think this would be a great time to receive some prayer. We'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for you. If you've just asked Jesus to come into your life, you can also come up and we have some, a packet for you. We have some materials and we're just going to worship for a few moments.